0: Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 42. Genesis chapter 42, we're going to be at the end of chapter 42, going into chapter 43. And as you're turning there, if athletes get athlete's foot, what do astronauts get? They get mistletoe, of course. Mistletoe. Amen. Last week, we left off with Joseph finally coming face-to-face with 10 of his 11 brothers. Although he recognized them, they had no idea who he was. He was dressed in traditional uh, Egyptian uh, royal uh, clothing, and he spoke to them in Egyptian through an interpreter. He kept his identity hidden from them, as part of his plan to get all of his brothers together with him. So Genesis chapter 42, let's skip down to verse uh, 29. Verse 29. Then they went to Jacob their father in the land of Canaan and told him all that had happened to them, saying, The man who is the lord of the land spoke roughly to us and took us for spies of the country. But we said to him, we are honest men, we are not spies. We are twelve brothers, sons of our father. One is no more, and the youngest is with our father this day in the land of Canaan. Then the man, the lord of the country, said to us, by this I will know you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers here with me. Take food for the famine of your households and be gone. And bring your youngest brother to me. So... I shall know that you are not spies, but that you are honest men. I will grant your brother to you, and you may trade in the land. Then it happened as they emptied their sacks that surprisingly each man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when they, had their father, uh, and, and, when they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were afraid. And Jacob their father said to them, You have bereaved me. Joseph is no more. "'Simeon is no more, and you want to take Benjamin? "'All these things are against me.' "'Then Reuben spoke to his father, saying, "'Kill my two sons if I do not bring back to you, "'but put, uh, put him in my hands, and I will bring him back to you.' "'But he said, "'My son shall not go down with you, "'for his brother is dead, and he is left alone. "'If any calamity should befall him along the way in which you go,' then you would bring down my gray hair with sorrow to the grave. Let's go into chapter 43. Now the famine was severe in the land, and it came to pass when they had eaten up the grain which uh, they had brought from Egypt that their father uh, said to them, Go back, buy us a little food. But Judah spoke to him, saying, The man solemnly warned us, saying, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you send our brother with us, we will go down and buy you food. But if you will not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. And Israel, Jacob, said, Why do you deal so wrongfully with me as to tell the man whether you still had another brother? But they said, The man asked us pointedly about ourselves and our family, saying, Is your father still alive? Have you another brother? And we told him according to these words. Could we possibly have known that he would say, Bring your brother down? Then Judah said to, his, uh, said to Israel his father, Send the lad with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and you and also our little ones. I myself will be surety for him. From my hand you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, Then let me bear the blame forever. For if we had not lingered, surely by now we would have returned the second time. And their father Israel said to them, If it must be so, then do this. Take some of the best fruits of the land in your vessels and and carry down a present for the man, a little balm and a little honey, spices and myrrh, pistachio nuts and almonds. Take double the money in your hand and take back in your hand the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight. Take your brother also and arise. Go back to the man and may God Almighty give you mercy before the man that he may release your other brother and Benjamin. If I am bereaved, I am bereaved. So the men took that present and Benjamin And they took double the money in their hand, and arose, and went down to Egypt, and they stood before Joseph. No doubt we are all familiar with Murphy's Law. Everyone familiar with Murphy's Law? What can go wrong will go wrong, right? We are programmed in the flesh to think this way. Why is that? That's because we feel that more often than not, that things just don't go our way. Just our human nature that sees it that way. And because of that, we've developed three tendencies in the flesh. Number one is that we tend to be more negative than we are positive. As soon as things go wrong, as soon as things start to get hard, we immediately turn negative. We turn to the woe is me attitude. Second tendency in the flesh is that we tend to see things on the horizontal instead of on the vertical. Amen? That means that that we see things from a worldly or a, a mankind point of view. Right? Short term. Short sighted. Too often we leave God out of things until there are no other options. And God is then our last resort. Too often we treat God like a, you know, a spare tire in our trunk. He's not first and, and a forethought in our minds. It's only when emergency pops up that we go in that trunk and get him out. Amen? Because we see things on the horizontal and not on the vertical. Amen? Third tendency that we have in the flesh is that we tend to be closed-minded towards anything new. We tend to kind of get stuck in our ways. We kind, of, we kind of stay in our ways. Our natural tendency is to resist any new way rather than embrace it. And I want to mention a little side note here. These tendencies, you know, we think as we get older, we get more wise. But the problem is these tendencies actually get worse as we get older. Amen. We get more and more set in our ways. We get more and more, you know, used to seeing things in the horizontal instead of the vertical. And we tend to get more negative. Amen. Three tendencies that we have in the flesh. And again, these tendencies are in the flesh. They occur when we start walking after the flesh instead of walking after God's Holy Spirit. Amen? So, Jacob, as we see, he is a perfect illustration of of someone who is not walking with God at the moment. Although he had walked with God for a hundred years, Jacob tended to, he held on to these tendencies in the flesh. He wrestled with negativity. He wrestled with a horizontal viewpoint, and he wrestled with being closed-minded on a regular basis. He is the poster child for these three tendencies in the flesh. And as Joseph's brothers, they, they return home, they begin to explain all that had happened to them in Egypt. In verse 35, they said, It happened this way, that as we emptied our sacks, that surprisingly each man's bundle of money was in his sack, And when they had and their father saw the bundles of money, they were afraid. Here they bring back sacks, big bags, full of free food, with all their money returned to them. Instead of thinking, praise God, look what God has provided for us and rejoicing. They hang their heads low, and their hearts are full of fear. Now, I want to throw out a, a quick caution that there is a time and a place for a healthy fear. Let me tell you a true story, share a true story with you. A man and a woman, they go to KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken, and they place a lunch order. The store manager had just emptied the store safe, and for security, he would always take the money and put it in just a regular KFC bag instead of an obvious bank bag. But on this particular day, it just so happened that they were training a brand new employee as a cashier. After this gentleman took their order and they paid, he turned and he saw a bag sitting on the counter, not realizing it was the manager's bag, grabbed the bag, gave it to the couple, and they left for their picnic lunch. Now, when they get to their picnic spot, the man opens the bag, and he is completely and utterly shocked that it's full of money. He immediately closes up the bag, and he heads back to KFC. When he turns the bag in, he asks for the manager, gives the manager the bag. The manager opens the bag, and he's just speechless. He can't believe what he's seen. He's amazed. He tells the man that he'd like to notify the local news uh, so that they could do a story on his rare honesty. The man tells the manager that he would rather not, that he doesn't want any attention, he doesn't want any you know, uh, extra attention his way. Surprised, the manager looks at him, he asks, why? The man looks at the manager, he says, well, listen, I'm a married man, but the lady that's with me is not my wife. So there is definitely a time for a healthy fear when you unexpectedly come into money. Amen? That is it. But for Jacob and his sons, this was not that time. Amen? They are alive. They are well. And they returned with bags full of food and money. But what do they do? They turn to the tendencies in the flesh. They start to surface. Verse 36, and Jacob, their father, said to them, you have bereaved me. Joseph is no more. Simeon is no more. And now you want to take Benjamin? All these things are against me. You see what he's doing? He's turning completely negative. And he even starts to exaggerate. Joseph is no more. They cast him off as dead. But then what does he say about Simeon? Simeon is no more. That's a complete exaggeration. Simeon's still alive. He's just in jail in Egypt. That negativity comes uh, pouring out. Verse 38. But he said, My son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead, and he is left alone. If any calamity should befall him along the way in which you go, then you would bring down my gray hair with sorrow to the grave. Here we see this patriarch of the family, this father, this grandfather, displaying all three fleshly tendencies. What is he doing? He's setting a negative example for his entire family. So now as we start going into uh, chapter 43, God continues his work in the hearts of this family. Now, I want to note, as we start going into chapter 43, I want you to notice four steps that Jacob takes to finally submit to God's will. And the first step is denial. Let's look at verses 1 and 2. Now, the famine was severe in the land, and it came to pass when they had eaten up the grain which they had uh, brought from Egypt that their father said to them, "Eh, Go back, buy us a little food. You see the denial there? Chapter 42, we ended with Jacob refusing to send Benjamin to Egypt. Several months have passed. They've eaten up all of their supplies, all the food, all the grain that they they bought in Egypt is all gone. And now he just decides, hey, sons, not you, Benjamin, the others, just go back and go buy us some more food. This was directed only to 9 of the 10. Again, Benjamin wasn't included just like the first trip. That was his denial of reality, but Judah intervenes. He gives his father a dose of reality. He says, "Dad, listen. Let me lay it out for you in plain words. Send Benjamin, we can get food. If you don't send Benjamin, we can't get any food. It's that simple." So, the first step is denial. Second step is blame. Blame. Look at verse 6. And Israel said, Why did you deal so wrongfully with me as to tell the man whether you still had another brother? He's brought, he, he just flat out saying it's your fault. You shouldn't have told the man that you had another brother. Jacob just continues to walk after the flesh instead of the spirit. Now that he's corners, what does he do? He starts pointing fingers at his own sons. Verse 7. But they said, the man asked us pointedly about ourselves and our family, saying, is your father still alive? Have you another brother? And we told him according to these words, because we possibly have known that he would say, bring your brother down. All the brothers confirm the facts. And there's a good message for all parents in this, in this passage. Listen, sometimes our children get caught up in situations that we need to just sit back, listen, and hear them out before we cut them off in anger. Amen? Too often we're quick to cut them off in anger and won't even let them get a word out edgewise. But sometimes they're in a situation just like this family, where the sons, they are the voice of truth in this situation. Step three. Or I'm sorry, let's let's, let's pick up in verse eight first. Verse eight. Then Judah said to Israel, his father, send the lad with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and and you and also our children, our little ones. I myself will be surety for him. For my hand you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. Listen to what he adds in verse 10. For if we had not lingered, surely by now we would have returned this second time. Judas steps up and gives his father more truth, more reality. Now, step three is skeptical tolerance. Skeptical tolerance, verse 11. And their father Israel said to them, If it must be so, then do this. Take some of the best fruits of the land in your vessels and carry down a present for the man, a little balm and a little honey, spices and myrrh, pistachio nuts, and almonds. I guess if it has to be this way, but that's a far cry from your right. I'm sorry, isn't it? It's what he should be saying. Verse 12. Take double the money in your hand and take back in your hand the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight. Jacob is still seeing things in what? The horizontal. He's still not looking up. He's still not seeing things in the the vertical. He doesn't see God's hand at work in this family. He chalks up that, that, that bonus, that extra money. He chalks it up as what? It had to be a mistake. Amen? Final step is a guarded faith. Verse 13. Take your brother also and arise. Go back to the man as kind of a a reluctant last minute decision. And verse 14. And may God Almighty give you mercy before the man. God Almighty. He uses the word El Shaddai. God Almighty. Right when you think his, his faith is ready to step up, look at the rest of verse 14. May God Almighty give you mercy before the man that he may release your other brother and Benjamin. But if I am bereaved, I am bereaved. Debbie Downer surfaces again. Amen just full of negativity. So how do we overcome these tendencies in the flesh? Well, first and foremost, we have to recognize and admit our negativity and our horizontal viewpoint. We have to recognize it in ourselves, and then we have to admit that we have this problem. Much of the cure is in the confession And much of the correction begins with admission. Amen? We have to look in that spiritual mirror and be honest with ourselves. Hey, I'm too negative. I tend to look way too much in the horizontal when I should be keeping my eyes on my Savior. Amen? And see things in the vertical. We have to put our pride aside. We have to step up and we have to we have to uh, stop denying the truth. And we also can't be afraid to go to another mature believer for some help, for some good, sound advice. Amen. Secondly, we have to stay open to new ideas, to new ways. Rather than immediately shooting them down, give it 10 minutes. Amen. Give the idea 10 minutes. Let it resonate. Let it sink in a little bit. Start to look at some of the benefits of that new way or that new idea. We must strive to be a fountain and not a drain. Amen? We need to be a fountain to one another and not a drain that brings each other down. So as we continue... There are not many things that that tug at our heart more than seeing a family that has gone through it. Amen. A family that has just endured struggle after struggle, heartache after heartache, and then there's contention within the family, and then they separate. But then we see them reunited once again. Amen. Nothing tugs at the heart more than that. And so often, the longer the separation the greater the reunion. And it's important for us to truly feel the emotions that these brothers are experiencing as, as, as we read through this passage in order for us to fully appreciate what this family went through, to appreciate God's hand intervening in their lives, and to be able to truly take what they went through and apply it to our lives. Amen? Amen. Verse 15, so the men took that present and Benjamin, and they took double the money in their hand, and arose, and they went down to Egypt, and they stood before Joseph. Now remember, Joseph's identity is is still hidden from them, amen? And as they stand before the second most powerful man in all the world, who remember in their last meeting, he accused them of being spies. They're petrified. They're scared to death. But in their guilty consciences, you know, they were, they, they're, in our last message, we saw how their guilt started bubbling up to the surface. All that they had done to Joseph, it began to surface, and, and they began to be Convicted. They don't know what consequences they're about to face. They admitted their guilt. They admitted their wrongdoing. They admitted that God was now involved. And now they don't know what consequences they're about to face. That long-anticipated wait is now over. And God is going to show us some powerful things in the waiting. Amen. We have to understand the power of waiting. Sister Lorraine, in her reading this morning, touched on it a little bit. God answers every single prayer of ours, every request. Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, and sometimes it's just wait. But we, in our tendencies in the flesh, when we hear the word wait, how do we feel? Right? We see wait as a negative. We need to understand when God says wait, he's saying just wait. It's going to be better than you ever imagined. Amen? We need to see wait as the positive that it is when we're seeing things in the vertical. And we're going to see the power of wait as we continue in our study how that period of waiting, it's going to work in us and on us to bring us to acceptance and also to repentance. Look at verse 16. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, take these men to my home and slaughter an animal and make ready, for these men will dine with me at noon. As soon as Joseph lays his eyes on his brother Benjamin, his heart races. He hasn't seen his blood brother in over 20 years. Ben, Benjamin was just a tiny little boy at the time. And Joseph turns to his steward and he tells him, Take him to my home and prepare a banquet for my family. Amen? Prepare a banquet banquet for my brothers. Let's look at verse 18. Now the men were afraid because they were brought into Joseph's house. And they said, it is because of the money which was returned in our sacks the first time that we are brought in so that they may make a case against us and seize us. Ironically, to take us as slaves with our donkeys. What did they do to their brother? Sold him as a what? As a slave. And what is their fear? That now it's coming back to them. That they're going to be a slave. They're scared to death. There was no judge. There's no courtroom to be summoned to the governor's house. They just thought in their mind, that can absolutely not be good news for us. Amen. Scared to death. They immediately start jumping to conclusions, believing that they were being accused of stealing the money for the grain. So they, they begin to plead their case with Joseph Stewart, with the, with the man that, that brought them to his house. Guilt makes us say and do things that we normally wouldn't, doesn't it? You ever watch you know, like these, these real you know, investigative uh, uh, documentaries? When a person's guilty, what do they do? They just start chirping, don't they? Ta- start talking about everything, and eventually they pull out a truth here and there. And they put the whole story together. And that's what's happening to these brothers. The guilt be- it starts to make them just, just talk and talk and talk. It's kind of like a man who sent a letter to the IRS. He said, Dear sirs, I can no longer sleep at night. I regret the fact that I understated my income last year. Please accept this check for $500 to cover the taxes that were owed. And if I still can't sleep, I'll send the rest. Amen? Isn't that kind of how we are? But seriously, guilt will wear us down. Amen? It will absolutely wear us down. And guilt makes these brothers plead their case. But unfortunately, it's to a man who has absolutely no power to help them. Verse 23. But the steward said, peace be with you. Do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money. Then he brought Simeon out to them. They had drifted so far away from God that it took this pagan Egyptian to witness to them. It took this pagan Egyptian to to open up their spiritual eyes to see God's blessings. He said, look, it was your God and the God of your fathers that gave you a treasure, a gift, a blessing. Took a pagan unbeliever. To open up their spiritual eyes. Well, almost. They're still seeing things in the horizontal. Look at verse 25. Then they made the present ready for Joseph's coming at noon. For they heard that he would eat bread there. And when Joseph came home, they brought him the present which was in their hand into the house. And bowed down before the earth to him. They still believed that they needed these gifts, and they bowed down before Joseph. Verse 27, then he asked them about their well-being and said, Is your father well, the old man whom you spoke? Is he still alive? And they answered, Your servant, our father, is in good health. He is still alive. And what do they do again? And they bowed their heads down, and they, they prostrated themselves before Joseph. They're still bowing down. They, they're still, they haven't started seeing things in the vertical. They're still seeing things in the horizontal. Look at verse 29. Then he lifted his eyes, talking about Joseph. And he saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son. And he said, Is this your younger brother of whom you spoke to me? And he said to him, God, be gracious to you, my son. Now his heart yearned for his brother. So Joseph made haste, and he sought somewhere to weep. And he went into his chamber, and he wept there. For the first time in 20 years, Joseph finally sees his brother Benjamin. He's so overwhelmed that he has to leave the room so that he can cry. He washes his face, he he composes himself, and then he tells his steward, Serve the bread. Amen. It's supper time. Verse 33. And they sat before Joseph, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth. And the men looked in astonishment at one another. All this time, in that waiting, They agonized, and they expected the axe. But instead, what does God do? God prepared a feast. Amen? In that waiting, they thought the worst was going to happen to them. They were seeing things in the negative. They were seeing things in the horizontal. They were seeing things after the flesh. And they thought for sure the axe was coming. But instead, God prepared a feast for them. I want to close with just a few verses in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 1. Woe to the rebellious children, says the Lord, who take counsel but not of me, and who devise devise plans but not of my spirit. That they may add sin to sin. Verse 15. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel. In returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. But you would not. And you said no, for we will flee on our horses. And therefore you shall flee. And we will ride on our swift horses. Therefore, those who pursue you shall be swift. Verse 18. Therefore, the Lord will wait. That he may be gracious to you. God was speaking to the rebellious nation of Israel. But Joseph's brothers... They are the patriarchs. They are the 12 tribes of Israel. Amen? This is who God was speaking to. They had also disobeyed God. They had also become rebellious. And they're eaten up by their guilt just waiting for the axe to fall. And here we see in the book of Isaiah, they thought they could run and hide from God. But God is everywhere. Amen? He's way ahead of them. And way ahead of us. And he just waits. Why? So that he can be gracious to us. Amen? This is exactly what we see in our story in, the, in, in Joseph's journey. Joseph waited 20 years to break bread with his brothers. We have to understand that waiting is a part of God's plan in all of our lives. He waits for us to stop running. He waits for us to stop being rebellious. He waits for us to stop going our own way. Why? So that he can pour out his mercy and his grace and his kindness upon us. Waiting allows time for us to repent. It allows time for us to reflect on those things that we did wrong. It allows time for us for that guilt and that that conviction to stir up our hearts. We admit that guilt against God. And that admission of guilt, guess what that activates? That activates God's grace. Amen. Repentance activates God's grace. Waiting teaches us how to rest in our Lord. It's not waiting when we continually run from God. We must allow Him to work in our heart to deal with those grudges to deal with that resentment that we've allowed to sink deep down in our hearts, to deal with that guilt, to deal with our sin. And once we do, then we hear him command, set the table and serve the bread. For I have prepared a feast for you. And I will come and I will sup with you. I will be your God. And you will be my child. David said, Serve the bread.